All right, so as we've come here to uh, Revelation chapter 20, uh, the millennium, as I've been saying, is uh, a mystery. And so I titled this lesson, Millennial Mysteries, uh, because there are things that we can see and things we just have to put it together. And we're going to look at several different uh, viewpoints concerning the millennium and other end-time events. And so uh, the chart that I made you on that first page, um, we'll be referring to that, but also to that other graphic uh, that is was made for you, and uh, to look at the whole overview. Now, that blue paper, uh, the one with all the blue on it, the graph, that is, um, that's a pre-tribulation. The rapture of the church occurs before the tribulation and a premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So on your little uh, chart that is in your notes, that would be uh, number one column, the blue column, pre-millennial. And so we're going to see several in-time events, but when we talk about the tribulation or the, the millennium, problem comes up with the fact that it's only called a millennium in this chapter of the Bible. So only in this chapter and six times in the chapter is it called the thousand years. All right, so we're a thousand years. All right, a thousand years in Latin is millennium. That's how they say it. And so people say, well, that word millennium is not even in there. Okay, it, thank you. Thank you, word police. But uh, it is. It's a thousand years. That's a millennium. And so it occurs six times. And so they say, well, because it only occurs in this one chapter, then there really isn't a lot of understanding about it. And so there, it's really, in some people's minds, it's a non-event because it just says something about a thousand years, and we don't know anything about it, and so we just forget about it, just wipe it off. There really isn't any such thing. It's, it's more of a spiritualization of something. And so people look at this in different ways. But did you know the phrase, you must be born again, is only in one chapter of one book of the entire Bible? Yet... Do we believe you must be born again? Okay. So on that basis, if it's in the Bible, then that's what we believe. And so we're going to put this in order. And there is no way that if you are reading, just reading through the book of Revelation, and you're following the track of what's there. I'm not talking about stopping to investigate every word like I've been doing, but um, just reading through it, there is no way you can come to any other conclusion than that after Jesus returns, there's a thousand-year event. It's just there. And here's the point. Even the post-millennial and the amillennial will say, if you are reading the Bible Literally, that's what you would believe. 
Okay, so then why don't you believe it? So there are a number of different things uh, that, that people look at when it comes to this. So the, the three classifications, and there's fine-tuning on almost each one of these. So there could be subcategories of premillennial, and there is. Uh, but the, the three categories are premillennial, which means the Lord's return is before the millennium, which means chapter 19 actually comes before chapter 20. I don't know. Now, I know I messed up my math on telling you that uh, class was going to be on the 9th because I counted 10 days from seven days from the second and somehow came up, or the third and whatever. I came up with the wrong day. But this I got figured out. Chapter 19 comes before chapter 20. The Lord's return, then this thousand-year event. Because if you take out the chapter 20, which wasn't in John's letter, and you take that out, the last sentence of chapter 19 and the first sentence of chapter 20 flow right together. So there's not a lot of disagreement that you can come on if you're just reading through. So that would present what we call the pre-millennial view. However, there are numbers of people who believe what is called post-millennial, that the Lord's return comes after the thousand years, which would mean, why is chapter 19 before chapter 20 if the event of chapter 19 doesn't take place till after chapter 20? I'm just asking. You know, I, I might not be the most astute person, but uh, for me, it just doesn't seem to fit. Postmillennial that, and and postmillennial changes a number of things that we're going to look at as we see these different events we're going to talk about. Then there is the group that is called amillennial, and that doesn't mean they don't believe in it at all. It means that they see the millennium as a realized situation, that a thousand years is just a figurative number, that it's not really a thousand years. Now, God uses numbers, and, and he can use numbers in a number of different ways, and he can use signs and symbols, and they say the book of Revelation is full of signs and symbols that don't mean exactly what they are, and so a thousand years doesn't have to mean a thousand years. It just means a period of time in which Christ rules, and our millennials believe that is now that Christ is ruling now. Why? Because he ascended and he took his seat. Is that true? Now, each one of these has verses that can back up what they believe. The problem is there's too many verses that they can't answer to. Now, even as a pre-trib, pre-millennial, there are a number of verses that are hard for us to understand. But the balance says this. And how that fits in, I'm just going to have to wait and see. That's where I go. Because there's some things that 
don't seem to fit. But I can accept that when the balance and the support goes to pre-trib, pre-millennial. So each one of those have different things they can use to support. And as we go through these, you might even think of some that would support their point of view. So let's look at the different categories. So the events that I've listed down here, the second coming, the resurrection, that's the resurrection of the dead, receiving their glorified bodies, judgments, the tribulation, millennium, and Israel and the church. Sounds like a Jeopardy contest, doesn't it? You know, I'll take tribulation for 600. Anyway, so, so each one of these has their viewpoint. Now, there's a lot more detail than this. I could spend lessons just talking about pre-millennial, pre post-millennial, all-millennial. You can buy books that present all the arguments and pull your hair out, you know, by the time you get done. But here's, here's the basis. Considering the second coming, pre-trib, that's pre-trib, pre pre-millennial, that's where we um, find ourselves. That's what's shown on that, that uh, graphic that I gave you. That the rapture of the church and the second coming are separate events. There's the rapture and the second coming, and they're separated by what? Say it. Seven years, the tribulation. And so they're separated by those seven years. And so that's how we see it. It's if you look at that little chart that I gave you, um, it's, it's on there, and you can look at that and see that that seven years of tribulation, which is what we've been looking at for so many lessons, all those judgments, all of those um, catastrophes, all of those <laughs> horrendous things happening to the earth, is... Number one, to remove wickedness, that is, wicked people, <clears throat> from off the face of the earth. And number two, to purge the earth of the stain of man's sin. Because the ground was cursed because of Adam's fall, and all manner of nature changed because of the fall. And so uh, that brings about this. Do I have a water in here? I don't have any water. Thank you. I'm sorry. Having not been teaching for a few weeks. Okay. Thank you. Uh, pardon me. Okay. So, so when we when we look at these events, we can we can see clearly that there are two separate things, and I'm not going to go back and and rehearse all of the issues with the rapture and the second coming. It's just that there are two events, and, <clears throat> and you can't make them agree. Because in one he comes, appears in the sky, and takes his church away, and another he comes with this massive army to the earth and slays everyone that's there. One is almost, for the most part, unseen to the unbelievers. The other is their death and all the wicked are slain. And it doesn't fit with the rapture. And again, I've been through that. Yes, the rapture is in the Bible. It means to be caught out, snatched away. 
yanked out by the hair of your head, right? Just, and it's going to snatch us out. And, and so that's what God is going to do. He's going to catch us away. <clears throat> and the dead in Christ receive bodies, come out of the grave. And we who are alive are changed and receive glorified bodies. So we all receive our glorified bodies. We're with God in heaven during the seven years of the tribulation. And all the seals and the, uh, the trumpets and, and the vials being poured out and all of that judgment. And we observe all of those judgments and all of those things. And we come to the end and we come with Christ in this glorious army. And he does all the fighting with a word. And it's over. And I'm sure we'll be celebrating. Right? And so all of that, definitely two events. Right? So that's how the premillennials see the second coming. What about the postmillennial? All right, so for a postmillennial, they see no distinction between the rapture and the second coming. The second coming is after the thousand years. He doesn't return to the earth until the end of the thousand years. There is no such thing as the rapture. It is, it is the church is transformed and all of the wicked are killed. And so they merge those two together, which is not what Paul does. It's not what's in the scriptures. Uh, it's not what's presented, but that's how they combine those two. And as, as much as I've, been, I've tried to understand how they can move the millennium to the, or to the return to the end of the millennium, I just don't get it. I have read their statements. It doesn't make sense. But I want to tell you, this is a growing belief system. This is a growing belief system among many people because they're proclaiming that Christ's return is not going to take place until the church, through the gospel, conquers the earth. That it's up to the church, to set up God's kingdom on the earth. Years ago, back in the 80s, they called that kingdom theology, or kingdom now. Um, I don't know if they have a name for it today. Bob, do you know of a name that... But it's, 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 they're still teaching it. And, and what they're teaching is simply that the church must, through the gospel conquer the earth. Jesus is not going to return until we have done that. And to them, the thousand years is not a literal time. It is a spiritual time, in a sense, figurative. So the thousand years is as long as it takes the church to establish itself upon the earth. Now, if we go back in church history, this was the theology of the Holy Roman Church, the Holy Roman Empire. If you did not believe and would not believe, we will put you to death. You have no reason to live in this life. You are pagan, and if you will not accept Christ, then we will put the sword to you. And so, horrifically, in the history of the church, 
that is one of the darkest marks that is against us. Because in the name of Christ, they killed people. Nowhere in the Bible does it give us that authority. Nowhere in Scripture is there a place where we have been uh, assigned that kind of authority. And nowhere do we find that it is up to us to remove and purge all evil from the earth. But that's post-millennial kingdom theology. And kingdom theology simply is, again, that. So, until through the gospel, can you think of a verse? And this gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. Right? Isn't that a verse in the Bible? Well, there it is. Jesus is not going to come until we have got everybody born again. Until everybody is in the kingdom. And if they won't accept Christ, then they can be removed. Um, great theologians. One. I'll just, I'll just say, Martin Luther. He said, if you meet a Jew on the road, beat him. He has no right to breathe the air that you breathe. That's not Christian. So where does the, where does the persecution of Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, where, where does that enter into our taking the gospel to the world? Doesn't. Mission theology became conquest. You planted a flag, you declared people Christian, you declared the, the land Christian, and if people wouldn't accept Christ, you put them to the sword. It just, it doesn't fit the gospel. I hope all of you are in agreement with that. But that's post-millennial. Now, no one's preaching that today, but they're preaching the elements that support that. They're preaching that the church must establish itself on the earth, that we must establish God's kingdom. It's up to us. Jesus is not going to come back until we have established his kingdom on the earth. All right, that's post-millennial. Yes, sir. Okay. Take them into all this salvation experience. Okay. And that by preaching that also, that that's the reason why they say Jesus isn't coming back. In fact, they even say that when Jesus does come back, the Battle of Armageddon occurs, America's going to be fighting with Jesus at that time. We'll be fighting to help him. So, I mean, they're, they're mixing patriotism in with, yeah. with, you know, with the gospel. So. All right. So, what, uh, what uh, Pastor Bob had said was that uh, it's. It's the United States is the agency by which this is done because we are the number one supporter of missions and and we are the in a sense the world's savior um, and so we must wrap uh, almost like a nationalism together with the gospel and we separate nationalism which we should all be patriots we should be patriots but they don't mix it with yeah when God when God says he'll take care of the entire nation he takes yeah. And so it's, it, in a sense, is up to us. And the United States, as he said, um, they're saying we'll be fighting with Jesus at Armageddon. So, um, sorry, I just 
I, we just went through chapter 19. I didn't read that in there. Um, I must, maybe, maybe somebody's gotten to my Bible and taken it out. Conspiracy theories. All right. So that's, that's post-millennial. There's a lot more to it, but that's some of the element. Now, amillennial, because they talk about a realized millennium, there is no such thing as the thousand years. It's the Christ is reigning now. And he's reigning now because he's in heaven and he's established there at some point, which is totally up to God's decision to tell his son, at some point he will send his son to the earth and put an end to everything. We don't know when that's going to be. We don't know how it's going to be. Um, the book of Revelation is all figurative. Uh, it is not to be taken literally. It is not about real events that are going to take place. It is things that are even happening now, which I'll talk about as we talk about tribulation and judgments and those things. So at some point, Christ will return and introduce an eternal state. But we don't know when that's going to be. And he doesn't even know when that's going to be. Uh, he just waits for his father to finally say, okay, I'm done with the earth. Um, let's move on. All right? That's all millennial. And to them, the book of Revelation is basically meaningless. To all millennials, there's no use really even studying it because it's all figurative and it's things that are happening now. It's all ongoing now. Um, the, the white horse and the red horse and the black horse, uh, the pale horse, they're all riding right now. That's all the wars and the famines and all those things. It's all occurring right now. Everything in here is occurring right now. He's just enumerating on them in the book of Revelation. All right. So next event. In the second coming of Christ, then there is the resurrection. That is the resurrection of the dead. Um, believers, unbelievers. What about the resurrection? In premillennial, there is a distinction. Pretty much three resurrections. There is the church, the resurrection of the church, at the rapture. When the dead in Christ will rise and we are alive, we'll, we, we'll be changed. All right? And we'll all be caught up to meet Christ in the air. That's premillennial, all right? That's the resurrection of the church. And we receive a glorified body at that point, a resurrection body, if you want to call it that. The Old Testament and the tribulation saints receive their bodies at the second coming. And so we've seen that. We read verses that talked about that. And so all the Old Testament believers, the believers, not everybody who lived in the Old Testament, Old Testament believers, and Tribulation saints all receive their glorified bodies at that period of time. The tribulation saints who are still alive enter into the millennium alive with a physical body, not a glorified body. Okay? To the post-millennial, there's just one judgment of all people at the great white throne. This is at the, at the end of... Christ coming, and he comes and establishes this resurrection, then there will be one 
judgment of all people. After we have, in a sense, conquered the earth, established the kingdom on earth, once the church has done that through the gospel, then there will be a judgment. And this is where they mix together uh, the judgments of believers, the judgment of uh, unbelievers. They mix together the judgment of the Jews, the Old Testament. Uh, they pull all those different judgments together into one judgment. The great white throne, um, the judgment of the, uh, the sheep and the goats, right? Familiar with that story? Judging the sheep and the goats, those who have done it in my name, done it unto me, those who have not, have not, you know, be parted, whatever. And so they mix all of those judgments together. Judgment of works, judgment of rewards, all of it fits together into one judgment. And that judgment comes again when God has determined that the kingdom has been set up. The amillennial, uh, one general resurrection of all believers and unbelievers at Christ's return. We are all brought into one unit, pretty much amillennial, the same as the um, postmillennial, except postmillennial sees a time, whereas amillennial sees there's no real time. It's just God decides, okay, I'm done. Now, the judgments follow with the resurrections, and so I kind of blend those together when I'm talking, but the resurrection of the believers um, are judged at the Bema seat. That's the reward seat. That's where we are judged for what we have done with what he has given us. You're not judged on some uh, established basis. You're judged based on what he has given you to do. What has been your response? What have you done with what he gave to you? And so your responsibility and judgment of rewards or loss of rewards because you didn't do with what God gave you and you squandered it or you used it for your own self purposes and it becomes wood, hay, and stubble. You still are saved and you enter into eternity but your rewards burn up. And so that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, so the Jews and the Gentiles are judged at the end of the tribulation based again on their faith, what they have done, how they have believed, how they have stood, and the unbelievers are judged at the great, great white throne. All right, and so that's something we'll talk about in a couple of lessons. All right, so the post-millennial, there's just one judgment of all people again. They're raised and they're judged. And so there's one resurrection and one judgment. And everybody is raised and judged, and it's basically on works. It comes back to works. It comes back to everything is on works. No one is exempt from works. And so even believers, uh, you're, not, you're not saved because you believed you're not sealed. You are saved based on what you have done with what he has given you. And if you haven't, then you are not saved. And so that is, again, post 
millennial. The amillennial, pretty much the same thing. One judgment all at this appointed time of Christ's return, which we don't know when that will be. How do each one of these deal with the tribulation period? Uh, the church is raptured prior to the tribulation, so we observe it, but we don't go through it. Now, this is where there are branches of premillennial. So there's pre-trib millennial, mid-trib premillennial, post-trib premillennial. And how many other names can we throw in there with that? All right, so, but different ones, but still all of that occurs before the Lord's return and before the millennium begins. So whether you're pre, mid, or post-trib, that still occurs before the Lord's return. And it then leads into the millennium. And so that is where they see the tribulation. To the post-millennial, the tribulation is experienced in this age. We are going through it now. Like I said, wars are because of one of the riders, and famine is because of one of the riders. And so the horses are riding, and the, the judgments are being unleashed. And the, there is no specific period of time uh, where different ones of the seals or the trumpets or the vials is poured out. They're kind of all mixed together. And so we see evidences of those. So any war that's going on, like they would point to the situation in Ukraine and say, well, that's because of the rider on the white horse. Is that the war? I think so. Uh, the rider on the white horse, which is bringing war and conquering um, and all of those things. And so that's, that's how they see those things. And so to them, prophecies that are going on now are prophesying about things that are happening and how they point to this end time coming. But what are we supposed to do? In post-millennial thinking, we got to get out and win the world. We got to save the world. Because if we don't, these judgments are just going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And so it's up to us to save the world and usher in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, the church has to save the earth. All right? And concerning the tribulation... Um, they are all experiencing those things now. All millennials is the same thing. The tribulation is experienced in this age. We are going through tribulation now. Now, how many know you're facing pressure? How many in here are facing any kind of pressure? All right, that could be called tribulation, but it's not the tribulation. And, and one of the keys to this is how they deal with Israel and the church, which we'll get to in just a minute. All right? So... Tribulation is either being experienced now, post and all millennial, or it's going to happen in a period of time of how many years? Seven years of tribulation. Why? Because, I, sorry, I'm just going to say this, because we read the Bible. Anyway, I'll move on from that. The millennium. What do each one of these groups believe? Well, pre-millennial, post-millennial, all-millennial, that's where it all hedges. All right, so concerning the millennium, the second coming inaugurates a thousand-year reign on the earth. So Jesus' return, though we are with him forever as a church, 
and the tribulation saints and, and the uh, Old Testament believers are with him forever, still he's going to come to the earth and there will be living people upon the earth. And that will be the ones that will be ruled during the time of the millennium. And we will rule with him. The uh, tribulation saints will rule in a, in a position with him. And so there will be different degrees of ruling and different degrees of authority given to each one of us, but we rule with Christ in this earth for a thousand years. All right? And so that's how premillennial, postmillennial sees the present age blends into the millennium because of the progress of the gospel. And so to them, the thousand years is not a definite period of time. It's however long it takes for the gospel to conquer the earth, to overcome. However long it takes for the kingdom to come in. So if there's one person who has not heard the gospel, then the Lord's not going to come yet. And if there's one nation that's in rebellion, the Lord is not going to come yet. We must help to subdue the earth for the Lord's return. That's post-millennial or what we call kingdom theology. For the amillennial, there is no literal millennium. It's just an, a word. To them, it's just a thought. It's some realized state that could be for 20,000 years. Still, it'd be called a millennium. It could have been for only 40 years. It still would have been called the millennium. Oh, to them, it just means the period of time in which Christ is going to rule from his throne in heaven. Is he ruling from his throne in heaven? Yes, right? He's not changed everything yet, but he's ruling from his throne in heaven. All right, so to them, this is the millennium. We're in it. And uh, this is where we are. It's a realized state, and he reigns now through the church. Now, here's where a lot of the distinction comes in is concerning Israel and the church. How do these different groups view Israel and the church? To the premillennial, our viewpoint, there is a complete distinction between them. Israel was God's kingdom. The church is the body of Christ. Come back to the tribulation after the rapture of the church. We're back into Jewish time. Israel is God's kingdom. During the millennium, Israel is God's kingdom. Where's the church? We're with Jesus. We're just in a position of ruling with him. And so Israel and the church have totally different um, programs that God has given them, stewardships. But the thing is, when the church age began, the Pentecost, when the church age began, Jewish time stopped. Israel as a nation still exists. The Jews still exist as a people. But the kingdom of Israel does not. And the kingdom of Israel will not exist again. The kingdom, not the nation, the kingdom will not exist again until the tribulation, 
when they will be overwhelmed by Antichrist and beast and controlling all of them. But the kingdom begins to be related. And then the kingdom will be realized in the millennium. For a thousand years, the kingdom of Israel. And so this will be something that God is doing, and they have a different program for each. But during the church age, how is a Jew saved? By believing what? That Jesus is the Son of God, and God raised him from the dead. Is that true? The same way every Gentile is saved. The same way every Muslim or Buddhist or whatever. We're saved because we believe, not because we're Jews. There is not a separate program for Jews to be saved during the church age. They must be born again. Paul says so. And he was a... Yeah, I thought so. So, these are principles that have to be followed. We see separate things. Jewish time stopped. The church age goes on for however long God wants it to go on. And then comes the millennium, the tribulation of the millennium, back to Jewish time. And the church is with the Lord. Post-millennial. To the post-millennial, the church is the new Israel. So every prophecy about Israel in the Old Testament applies to the church. That, and there's, oh, Jeff, what are you doing? You're going to get yourself in trouble. There are books right now that are promoting Jewish theology and merging it with church expectation. I know, I made that really, really vague, didn't I? Uh, talk to me after class. Um, but you can't take Old Testament Jewish kingdom principles, Israel kingdom principles, and apply them to the church. We're not the church. We're not, we're not Israel. But to the post-millennials, we are. There is no such thing as Israel any longer. They, they, they don't matter to God. God is only interested in those who have accepted the gospel, and therefore we have to bring Jews to Christ just as much as we have to bring pagans to Christ. And so, um, and do I believe that? Yes, I believe that we should. But does that mean if I meet a Jew on the road, I should beat him? No. It doesn't establish the fact that we should rule over people and lord over people, oppress people in the name of the church. But for centuries, there was the Christian empire, and they planted their flags, and they killed people in the name of Christ. Unreal. The church is the new Israel. There is no distinction between them. Any prophecy that you can find about God's going to do this with the, with the Old Testament, he's going to do this with Israel, applies to the church. We're going to look at a number of those things that, that are um, in the millennium. Not going to get to them tonight, but we're going to look at them as we as we go through different perspectives. That that there's going to be a time when there's this this incredible peace on the earth, so that animals don't even uh, devour one another, and men and 
there's no fighting and there's no wars and, and all those things. And to the post-millennial, it's up to the church to establish that. We have to rid the earth of wars and all the oppression that's here. And so that's our job. To the amillennial, the Israel and the church, there's no distinction. All the Old Testament prophecies refer to the church. So anything God prophesied through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, anything he prophesied in there is not about a future kingdom of Israel. It's about the church. And so they bring all those things into one perspective. So there's my little chart. There's a lot to it. There's a lot more behind this. Um, you can read some books, and, and if you have a question about who I was talking about, you can come and talk to me afterwards. All right. The Millennial Age. Go to the next page. I just want to talk a little bit about some things here, and we'll pick up with this in our next session. Tonight, the Millennial Age. Next week, the Millennial Reign. And we'll talk about what is going to be taking place during this period of time. But if you just read the book, I said it before, top of the page, if you just read the book, here's what we believe. Christ will return. He will establish a kingdom on the earth. It will last for a thousand years. Why, why do we believe that? Because that's what it says. Chapter 19, chapter 20. Just read it. That's what it says. He returns. He sets up a kingdom. Lasts for a thousand years. Now, other things happen after that, but that's where we find the millennium. It's as simple as that. Any interpretation other than that is reading into the scripture. Now, there's a, a Greek word for that called eisegesis, right? Eisegesis, and that's where you read into the word. And so you read into something. You impress your understanding over what the scripture says. What we believe is called exegesis, where we read out from the scriptures. The Bible says this. What does that mean? Right? I'm not putting a meaning into the scripture. I'm reading the meaning out of the scripture. And so to believe anything other than a premillennial return, you have to read something in. Now, you can, and there's many really good people who are postmillennials. There's some really good preachers who are amillennial. I can name them, but I won't. But you would be surprised who they are. And they are really good preachers. But their thinking is wrong. And so concerning the end times, it's wrong. It doesn't change what they believe about Jesus. They still believe you must be born again. And you're born again how? By believing that Jesus is the Son of God. God raised him from the dead. So, yes, they're still believers. But they have great differences with end time theology. One of the things that we see is that this literal reign of Christ on the earth, Revelation 20 doesn't tell us about it. It just tells us it lasts for a thousand years. So where are we going to read anything about this period of time? 
Well, we have to go back to Old Testament prophecies where prophets spoke of a time that would come, a time that they knew was not for them, but it was for some future time and a time when there would be this incredible peace that ruled over the earth and that all of the kingdoms would recognize the Messiah and that there would be this unbelievable state of wisdom and understanding and grace. And so where do you read that? Isaiah. And so we'll start with Isaiah chapter 2. It's right there in your notes. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So this is the kingdom. That's what the kingdom was in Isaiah's time. All of the other tribes were gone. Benjamin had been absorbed into Judah. Simeon had been absorbed into Benjamin. And so all of the other tribes, the northern tribes, are gone into unbelief, into captivity, scattered throughout the earth. So you've heard about the lost ten tribes of Israel. They're just gone, the Assyrians. So that happened in Isaiah's day. But he saw a time coming concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which we would say is to him the kingdom of Israel on the earth. Verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, and I'll read that in just a minute. So he says that the mountain of the Lord, which is Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and if you've been to Jerusalem, how many have been to Jerusalem? Right, you've been to Israel. It is a mountain. It is a climb. If you're going to Jerusalem from Jericho, it's almost 3,000 feet over a, a space of, I think, something like 20-some miles. It is incredibly steep. And you don't think of, of Israel being 2,700 feet above sea level, but it is. And so there's this, this mountain, but there's bigger mountains. But what does this verse say? What does it say? That the mountain of the Lord will be what? The highest. It will be lifted up. Now you could interpret that as figurative or literal. But when we read about what's going to happen when the Lord returns, there's going to be this incredible earthquake. And the mountain of Zion will split in two. And there will be this fountain of water that flows between. And so... This eruption will lift Jerusalem to the highest mountain. It will also reduce all the other mountains, which we have seen happening during the period of time of the tribulation. So you go, or yeah, you go back and read the tribulation, the times when mountains were literally dissolved, where those things, and so God has been flattening the earth, and now he's lifting up Israel. And what's going to happen? It's going to be lifted up, and all the nations of the earth will come to it. Israel will be that 
kingdom that they've wanted to be. That's what they thought Jesus was going to do when he came. He's going to make every nation in the world bow down to us. The Romans are going to bow before us. Isn't that great? Yeah, you dirty, stinking Romans. You know, and so they thought they were going to be the greatest. And they're, everybody, Jesus is going to do that for us. And so on the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, you know, the great day we call Palm Sunday. And, and so he came in and it was like, yeah, this is our king. Just in a few days, all of this is going to happen. And even the disciples couldn't give up on that. Because just as he's getting ready to ascend 40 days later, it's like, okay, when, 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 when will this happen? I want a chart, right? I'm going to chart. You can carve it in, in, in stone if you want to, clay tablet. I, I want a chart that tells me when this is going to happen, when all the nations are going to bow down to us. That's why John and James wanted to sit on the right and left hand. Hoo-wee. Just one step below Jesus and everybody, everybody in the world, every nation that's hated Israel. Is there a nation in the world that's more hated than Israel? My gosh, nothing. There isn't anything. But there's going to be a day. They thought it was then. And there's people that say that's what Judas thought and that's why he betrayed the Lord and he really had a good heart, but... The Bible doesn't say that. So, but what's going to happen? Listen to what the rest of this says. Here it says, The people are going to say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. All the nations of the world are going to come to let the word of God be taught to them. Is that awesome? Now, as a post-millennial... What do you believe? That's going to happen when? In my day. It's going to happen in my day. As a post-millennial, I'm believing that all the nations of the world are going to know, and they're all going to come and bow down, and it's all going to happen now. And you know what? We're just as wrong as Jesus' disciples were. Because this is time for the millennium. And I'll show you why. We want every, everyone to come to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Is this revival or what? Right? So we want, we want to see revival. This is the whole world, quote, revived. For out of Zion shall go forth. Everybody with me? Out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He, that is the Lord, shall judge between the nations, and he will decide disputes for many people. And we will be there helping with all of that. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Why? Because there's no more need for war. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Is that going to happen in our time? But see, as a post-millennial, you take this verse and you refer it to the church. Why? Because they don't see a distinction between Israel and the church. We are the new Israel. And so this is going to happen in our day. That's how the post-millennials see it. How do we see it? Not so much. That out of every nation there will be what? 
a remnant. There will be people saved out of every nation. That's why we take the gospel to places. That's why we want to spread the gospel to as many people as we can so that they can be saved. And once they're saved, what's going to happen to them when Jesus returns? Oh, man, they're going to be out of here with us. Because they believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we go. Not to conquer people. Not for them to bow down to us. But for them to hear this gospel and have their lives changed. Go lay down my sword and shield. Lay down the riverside. Come on, you know the song. Down by the riverside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's not, but it's not just that. Look at this scripture at the bottom of the page. Not only that, here, here's going to come a time that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf of the lion. And the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. Do you believe that's going to happen? But can it happen in our day? No. No, you put a wolf and a lamb together. Lamb chops. I've watched the cartoons. Now this is where, you know, this is where people get it wrong that the lion and the lamb will lay down together. It doesn't say lion and lamb in there, does it? There's a wolf and a lamb, and a lion and a calf, and a leopard and a goat. I know, but you got a little statue, or you got a picture that shows the lion and the lamb. They didn't read their Bible. Sorry. Oh, man, I you, you don't like me now. One year at our, at our school of ministry, they gave me a kicking down sacred cows award. <laughs> so, um, okay, let's go on. Read verse seven. The cow, the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Vegans. All right. Look at verse eight. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and a weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. Why? Because they're no poisonous anymore. They're just a plaything. Top of the next page. They, that is the people, they shall not hurt or destroy in, in all my holy mountain. There'll be no people killing one another. There'll be no people uh, abusing. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge. If these people have this kind of knowledge, then they have a fear of the Lord, a reverence for God that goes beyond anything that we can imagine. Not because they're afraid of him, but because he is so great. He is awesome. And so that occurs. And so we see this incredible period of time 
that is coming. That cannot occur at any other time. It never happened in Israel's history. Now I know Isaiah goes right on from here and talks about how the kingdom is going to be when they come back from Babylon. And so they say, well, this is always going to happen when they came back from Babylon. Did that happen? When Israel came back from Babylon, did that happen? No, none of that happened. Has it happened today? No. Has it happened because of the church? No. But as a post-millennial, you say, this is, this is going to happen in our day. This is, the, this is the fruit of the revival that we're looking for. I am not anti-revival. I believe God wants revival. But listen to me. We're not going to have a revival that's going to save the earth. It's not going to happen. And if we think that somehow Jesus' return is tied together with our revival, we're missing the point. The revival is about keeping people from going to hell. That's what it's about. And bringing people to life through Jesus Christ. It is not that... We need to get everything right. Pastor Bob had a great message on this. It's not that we have to get things right so that God can send revival. No, we believe for revival and then God straightens things out. Why? Because people are changed. People are changed. We want to see government change. We want to see cities change. We want to see culture changed and then have revival. No, we got to get the gospel into people's hearts they change, then culture changes, then nations change. And then we see God doing great things because of what's in their hearts. But as a post-millennial, they see this all happening before Jesus returns. It can't happen. There, there never be a day when the lions become vegetarians. Not till Jesus returns sets up this glorious kingdom where the bears graze alongside the cows, the leopards and the goats, and the children can play with cobras without being harmed. Why? Because there's no poison in them anymore. God is going to restore all of this, but he's going to do it when? In the millennium. Now, we'll pick up from here in our next session. We're going to talk about millennial reign Right, this was talking about the age. We'll see a few more things in here about this millennial age as it's spoken of. And then we'll talk about how the Lord is going to reign from his throne in Jerusalem alongside David in a temple that is glorious beyond belief. But it's nothing. The millennial temple is nothing compared to the temple that will be in heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth. Why? Because the millennial temple is still made out of this world's stuff. And the new heaven, new earth is made out of glorious things. So, anyway, that's all to come. Hope you're all enjoying this. Uh, okay.